Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. As the calendar flipped from November to December, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Miami Dolphins looked like shoo-ins for the NFL playoffs. Both teams were 8-3. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, despite a 4-7 record, were only one game back of the Falcons and Saints in the lowly NFC South division. When the dust settled on Sunday night, the Dolphins had to settle for an AFC wildcard berth while the Jaguars were eliminated completely. They lost five of their final six games. Meanwhile, the Buccaneers won five of their last six to claim the NFC South title. You never can tell with football. On today's podcast, I welcome in Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post and Ira Kaufman of JoeBucksFan.com to look at the upcoming weekend's playoff games for the Dolphins and Buccaneers. They'll join me in just a moment. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast helps support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. The Miami Dolphins will visit the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend in the wildcard round, while the Bucks will host the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll start with Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post to talk about the Dolphins, and then Ira Kaufman will join us to talk about the Bucks. Let's get started with Joe. Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Hey man, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So the Dolphins, you know, let's jump right into it. They held a lead and still found a way to lose not only the game last weekend, but also the division at home Sunday night. So do Dolphins fans have reason to believe that they can march into one degree Kansas City on Saturday night and defeat the defending Super Bowl champions? No. Wow, that's simple. (laughs) No, there's no confidence. There's no enthusiasm. Um. This is a terrible set of circumstances, including uh, a massive amount of key injuries. Now, every team in the NFL has injuries. But how are the Dolphins supposed to slow down the Kansas City offense without their top three edge rushers, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and Andrew Van Ginkle, their uh, Pro Bowl corner, Xavier Howard, and their top linebacker, Jerome Baker, who uh, returned after missing four games from a knee injury and promptly broke his wrist? Good grief. Yeah, that that's the ultimate mash unit there. It's a shame it doesn't work like college football. Maybe the transfer portal could bring them someone <laughs> quickly, but not going to happen. <laughs> also, obviously, the weather is going to be a huge factor. What are you hearing early on on this game? Like I mentioned, it could be like one degree there. It could be insane. And are there any players on the Dolphins who, uh, you know, or maybe you know, played outdoors in Minnesota or, or Green Bay or something. I know Minnesota's an NFL uh, dome, but maybe they played high school football outdoor there or something like that. No Dolphin player is going to admit that he uh, is worried about the cold, that he's going to wear long sleeves, that he's going to wear uh, underoos, <laughs> that he's going to wear, uh, what do you call it? Tom Brady had one of those... Um, deep diving suits that he used to wear when it was cold. You know, Tua Tungavaloa uh, has had his troubles in the cold, in the snow, in the wind, in the rain, in the sleet. Uh, He went to Maryland at some point in the last couple of years in the winter to throw outside when it was cold with his brother, but 
Um, this is going to be really, really cold, like coldest in Dolphins history, coldest game in Dolphins history. People get big mad at me when I say that I'm cold when it's like 40 or 30. People get really, really mad about that. I, I don't know why. They get mad when I say that the tush push should be banned. They get mad when I say I don't like that the Harbaugh's cheat and run up the score. And they get really mad when I say that uh, I think it's cold. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that it's really, really cold on Saturday night in Kansas City. A game that should never have to have been played in Kansas City. I was watching the weather reports and and the man on TV in, 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 in Missouri, he said, stay off the streets, stay in your home. So, yeah. It's just crazy that the NFL, knowing that, but I, I know they want Kansas City in prime time. I know this is a big game, but you would think that they might take a weak lookout factor of weather into into notice for something like that. Because even if this game was played at four o'clock, it would be miserable, but it just gets worse as the night goes on. So I, I guess they just don't even look at those type of things. Yeah, the first Dolphins-Chiefs game of this year the league kind of got screwed because it was on at like 9 a.m. and uh, from Germany. So the viewership was obviously a lot lower than it would have been for a Sunday night game. Uh, And of course, Tyreek Hill was not happy that that game was played in Germany. So he does get his chance to return. But I mean, when you have a high ankle sprain, is it helpful? I, I don't know. They say shoot it up, ice it. I mean, I guess his ankle will be iced. When it comes to Tyreek Hill, I, I feel like even if he's injured, he's probably still as fast as anybody out there. But you're right. They, they're going to have to do something. You, you mentioned that game in Germany. It was a 21-14 final. It was week nine. I mean, these teams really are, are both very different from then. So aside from the injuries, I mean, are there any comparisons that can be drawn? Because, I mean, yes, you're going to see Patrick Mahomes, who's always good. Yes, you're going to see Travis Kelsey. But you mentioned all the injuries to the Dolphins. Um, you know, just kind of talk about that game. And, and can you draw any comparisons to this upcoming Saturday? No, the teams are different. It is helpful that the Dolphins pitched a second half shutout against a dynamic Chiefs offense. And certainly the Chiefs offense hasn't looked quite as good this year as it has in past years. You know, no team is flawless. I watch these um, national debate sports shows and they they say, oh, Nick Sirianni, maybe he should be fired. Uh, one of the local columnists down here at a competitor, competitor's newspaper wrote that McDaniel should be on the hot seat if he loses on Saturday. That's absurd. Um, I I don't understand that at all. I mean, this team has had back-to-back playoff appearances. Only one team in the AFC has more wins than the Dolphins this regular season, and that was Baltimore. And the Dolphins have the number one ranked offense in the NFL. So offensively, you think they'll have a chance. And after limiting Travis Kelsey to three catches for 14 yards in Germany, and he certainly looks slower since he started dating Taylor Swift. Uh, you think they would have a chance, but in that game, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and Andrew Van Ginkle all got big-time pressure on Mahomes. And guess what? None of those guys are playing this week. Yeah, so what you're saying is Kelsey is not quite as swift as he once was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, Very I'll good. move on from that. Yeah, that thank good. you, thank you. 
<laughs> but, you know, with this game, I, I don't think I see where you're going to see Mahomes or Tua having 300 yards passing. I think that in this type of cold weather, it's going to come to the ground game. So, you know, Mostert's been hurt. You know, Chan's been in and out of the lineup. I, if those guys are healthy, I think they have the better running components, although, you know, Kansas City's a good running team. So how are the running backs situation looking for the Dolphins heading into this game? Yeah, I mean, credit to Devon Achan, who averaged more yards per carry than any back in NFL history in a season, over seven. Uh, you love to see that. Uh, but he's been wearing an ankle brace for a busted toe for weeks and weeks and weeks. That was revealed on Hard Knocks. When the cameras are around, you get to see some things that you usually wouldn't see. And uh, you know that for Mostert to miss... I hadn't really thought about this, but for him, they lost both games. Yeah, so that's interesting. He leads the NFL in touchdown rushes, Raheem Mostert, and then they lose both games without him. So, uh, meaning, uh, you know, Baltimore and then this most recent game. So, uh, I don't know how much he has in the tank, but he's certainly going to give it a go. We saw the Washington running back in the national championship game. It was almost... uh, hard to watch him try to run and even the quarterback too he was all banged up and so you know when it comes to an elimination game these guys just give it a go i mean what's the worst thing that happens season ends and if you need a surgery you have it yeah it's an awful way to to live and think that way but i see exactly what you're saying there uh you know last week i read your column essentially saying hey you know let's pay tua and then i see tom d'angelo your colleagues column saying not so fast on paying Tua he's got something he needs to prove so I have great respect for both of you I've known you guys for several years now do you agree with some of what Tom was saying or or do I need to have you guys on to debate the Tua issue oh yeah to be clear I have no respect for Tom. No, I'm just kidding <laughs> of course I like Tommy D'Angelo even though he's a Boston guy uh I don't know maybe some of that patriot blood is leaking through to his columns uh, I know one team that would like to have Tua Tungavailoa, and that's the New England Patriots. They're going to have to draft a quarterback in the in the top three in the next NFL draft because it turned out Mac Jones was no Tua Tungavailoa. Listen, I get it. Tua has struggled against very good teams. He struggled a bit in December and January. He is a little bit banged up now, but you know the fact that he made it through the 17-game season – was the number one reason why I'm okay with the Dolphins doing what I think they probably will still do, which is give him a longer-term extension. You know, the Dolphins are up against it with the salary cap next year and if and the year after. And so if they don't manipulate the contract situation and structure it to where it's backloaded and more of the guaranteed money and the salary cap hits are on the back end of the deal, that's going to really hurt their ability to keep some of the players that give Tua a chance. But he's a good fit for Mike McDaniel's offense. He's extremely accurate. He's regained his confidence. Um, and when you have a quarterback of his ilk, uh, you re-sign him. And I think it's going to happen. Is he perfect? No. Does he have a huge arm? No. Does he run like Lamar Jackson? No. But he is a very good quarterback, a very good NFL quarterback. He led the NFL in uh, yards. Uh, and uh, was among the league leaders in completion percentage, yards per attempt, passer rating. And it's not just because of Mike McDaniel's very good offense. It's not just because of Tyreek Hill. Uh, It's because he's a good player. He's a good player, and uh, I do think that they should pay him. Now, if if he's willing to give a little bit of a hometown discount 
I know his hometown is technically in Hawaii, but, uh, you know, Mike McDaniel is basically his head coach and therapist. And so, uh, you know, you get a two for one there. Well, and Tyreek Hill is definitely his hype man. So you have plenty of good things going on there when it comes to Miami. Do you think his deal will be, it seems like every quarterback that gets signed, it's the next one is the biggest deal in history. Does he do one of those? Or do you think he falls in line with some guys who are, you know, maybe top 10 deals or or where do you see it falling? Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, average annual uh, contract, Joe Burrow, 55, Justin Herbert, 52 and a half, Lamar Jackson, 52, Jalen Hurts, 51. So I think more in that Jalen Hurts range. Jalen got five years at 51. I think what would be great for both sides would be four years at 50. Um, You know, that's just my thought. You know, uh, Josh Allen comes in at 43. You know, the longer you wait – the more it costs. That's why Daniel Jones got four years at 40 a year. I mean, if Daniel Jones is worth four years at 40 a year, uh, clearly Tua Tagovailoa is worth four years at 50 a year. So that's what I would like to see. Well, Daniel Jones, uh, even though he's getting paid, that is not worth $40 million for four years. Uh, that's for sure. But, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll keep a, a great eye on that. And, of course, we've also got the situation coming up in Jacksonville. It will be interesting to see what they want to do with Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, if he gets one of those ridiculous deals, which he will, but, you know, after Jacksonville's collapse and his multiple injuries. But, anyhow, so this game with the Chiefs, uh, you know, opens up three-and-a-half-point favorites for the Chiefs. Uh, you know, this is a game where, that you know, a field goal plus a half a point you're going to have 17 mile an hour winds. It's going to be one degree. Uh, do you think it, it, do you like that three and a half points? Do you see many field goals being kicked here this weekend? Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess I wanted to look at the, the car. All right. I'm seeing four at this moment. So yeah, I mean, that's a little low, right? That's a little low. Um, I'm not sure why it's so low considering all the players, the dolphins are without I mean, I guess, they were competitive against the Chiefs in the last meeting. The Chiefs haven't quite looked as impressive this year as in past years. The Dolphins do have uh, Tua Tungavaloa, Tyreek Hill, probably Jalen Waddell and Raheem Mostert returning. Uh, most of their offensive linemen. All their injuries are on the defensive side except for center. But, you know, Tua doesn't have that Josh Allen arm where he's going to throw it through the wind. So, yeah, I think obviously the Dolphins are going to have to run the ball even though they say – that the defense has the advantage when it's cold and wet and windy because, quote-unquote, the players know where they're going or whatever. I don't know. Um, I'm, I, you know I wonder what the over-under is. Um, I have to look at a, a 44. Wow, 44. That's low. That is 44 because of the weather. It's because there's blizzard-type conditions in the Midwest. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs and Dolphins, 44. Wow, 44. That's really interesting. It's worth doing some research into how weather conditions affect uh, top five offenses. So I don't know, man. I hope it's competitive. I, I Listen, last week I said on the, 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 uh, the Dolphin Facebook uh, video that Hal and I did that I thought the Bills would win by 48 points in cover, and they did. And then right before kick, I had this feeling the Dolphins had a chance, and I was wrong. I should have stuck with my initial instinct. So – at this moment, I think that, unfortunately, the Chiefs are, are likely to win big, but I reserve judgment to change my opinion before kickoff and be wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, at 44, maybe I'd say 27-17 Chiefs, maybe something in that range. I think my math works out for 44. So, I mean, my gut instinct is, you know, Chiefs minus whatever the line is. Uh, and most of the money comes in on favorites, I'm told. So you want to bet the uh, favorites early because that line will – I think that line will go – if you have three and a half, I think take it because that line's going to only go up. And I think the over will go up too. So despite the weather conditions expected, um, I like over 44. All righty. Well, it will be fun to watch and see what happens this Saturday, 8 p.m., only on Peacock Network, so you have to uh, subscribe if you want to watch this game. Unless I think there might be one station in the South Florida market that'll see it, but if you're everyone else in the country, got to watch it on Peacock. Uh, Joe, if if the Dolphins do end up losing, their season goes away. You know they were eight and three at one point, looked like they could win the AFC East, and now they're in a wild card in a frigid place. If they lose, is this season? You know, is it a disappointment? Is it a disaster? Is it, you know, second year in a row where they bow out in that wild card round? How how do you see this if they do lose on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, losing the last three games of the season would obviously be very disappointing. Although, you know, in looking at preseason expectations, I picked the Dolphins at 10 and 7. They finished 11 and 6. So you could argue that they exceeded expectations from a regular season perspective. Um, McDaniel said before the season that making the playoffs isn't good enough. It's time to win games. The Dolphins talked about Super Bowl. So certainly from a big picture perspective, not having a home playoff game, I'm sure does not make owner Stephen Ross happy at all. Uh, you know, you lose money on that, even though he's, he's probably got plenty of it. He's building all sorts of stuff in, in Palm Beach still. Um, oh man, I don't know. I, you know, I just... I think, you know, you lose at the Chiefs. I mean, you, that's, you can't expect them to win at the Chiefs. So if you win at the Chiefs, now all of a sudden you've had a good season. You may at least be competitive. That's my barometer. If you get your butts kicked 42-13, uh, then, yeah, it would be a disappointing conclusion to the season. And certainly Mike McDaniel is going to have to evaluate, for example, um, you know, the special teams coach, coach. You know, we saw last week the Dolphins had another devastating punt return allowed. That was the biggest game in their season finale loss to uh, to the Bills. The biggest play was a punt return touchdown allowed. Uh, punt, special teams have not been good enough this year. No, nope. uh, certainly. And ju- just uh, I- I'm sure that the Dolphins know this, but the difference between playing in Kansas City and Miami this Saturday will be about 60 degrees. So, uh, you know, they, they miss out there. Well, Joe, is there anything else you want to add about this game, your coverage this week, the Dolphins, or anything else in general? No, I just want to thank the folks who tune in and, and actually got to the end of this podcast. You are a Dolphins fan, if you listen, uh, and uh, and uh, we certainly appreciate it. I know you, your heart was broken with all three NFL teams not making the NFL postseason for the first time. I thought of you when I saw that graphic because I know <clears throat> how uh, much you enjoy the NFL teams in our state doing well and how helpful it is to your uh, very successful podcast. Yeah, and especially since the Dolphins and Jaguars were both 8-3 and three at the end of November, the Dolphins squeak into a wild card spot in frigid Kansas City and the 
Jaguars finished the season going uh, one and five in their last six games and missing out completely. So sad about that. But hey, right after this, Joe, I got Ira Kaufman coming up. He's going to talk about the Buccaneers, who at that same point were four and seven, but then they uh, win five of their final six and they will host the Philadelphia Eagles. So you never know what's going to happen in football, Joe. Yeah, people get mad at me when I say that nine and eight teams shouldn't be allowed to host wild card games. And um, so you can ask your guest about that. I'm sure he'll get mad at me because everyone gets mad at me about everything. (laughs) Well, that's true. But you could say the ocean is wet and the sky is blue and people will still get angry about something, Joe. So, hey, uh, keep doing what you're doing. We love your reporting. I always read everything you do. You and Hal Habib, Palm Beach Post, you guys are going to be freezing your cookies off. But good luck covering the game this Saturday night. Thanks, man. Be well. It's time to bring in Ira Kaufman of JoeBucksFan.com. Ira has covered the Bucks for more than 30 years, and he gets to see them go to the playoffs for the fourth year in a row. Ira, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, my friend. Uh, the NFL schedule makers uh, have saved the best for last. Bucks-Eagles, yeah. Monday night, Raymond James Stadium. There you go. Very good. It's better than what my uh, colleague Joe Shad, who I just got done talking to, is going to be experiencing as he goes to Kansas City for roughly one degree weather. So be glad you're not in that, Ira. Oh, my. Now, uh, Tim, uh, it it didn't work out the best for me personally, uh, because Tuesday morning, um, I've got to catch a plane uh, to Atlanta uh, for the Hall of Fame meeting to select the class of uh, 2024 and uh, Fred Taylor, uh, the uh, former star running back for the Jaguars, made the final 15 for the first time as a finalist. So his case will be discussed in Atlanta. Uh, It's a two-day meeting, and by the time it ends uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, we will know um, who's going uh, who, who has a very good chance to be wearing the gold jacket uh, uh, this summer. Yeah, obviously, as the sports editor of the Times Union in Jacksonville, I am certainly rooting for uh, Fred Taylor to get into the Hall of Fame. I actually was at the University of Florida at the same time as Fred Taylor, and I once sold him a pair of shoes at the Athletic Attic in the Oaks Mall. So there's some trivial stuff that uh, nobody really cares about, but I thought I'd share with you, Ira. You know, uh, Tim, one, one of his big supporters, um, it is Derek Brooks. I mean, Derek Brooks has told me for years, um, what's it going to take for uh, Fred Taylor to have his case uh, heard? And, you know, uh, he believes Seminole, uh, Mr. Brooks, and uh, has no love lost for Gators. Um, but he uh, he played against Fred Taylor many times and um, just thinks the guy was a fantastic player. Uh, and you know what? He, he's got a compelling case to make. So I'm uh, I'm interested in hearing it. Yeah, and I love hearing that. I'm sure uh, Derek Brooks didn't love trying to tackle Fred Taylor because when that guy got running downhill, ooey. But all right, well, let's get into now this playoff game. As you mentioned, Monday night football, Eagles Bucks. It's actually a rematch of a very early in the season game that was won by the Eagles, 25-11. That was way back in week three. So, Ira, before we start talking about the upcoming game, uh, how different? Are the two teams now from week three to now where, you know, the Buccaneers were still kind of gelling, learning each other. Baker Mayfield was only only in his third game. Now the Buccaneers have won five of six. They look like a cohesive unit. How much different will this be than what we saw when the Eagles and Bucks played in week three? Well, it's funny. Week three, the Bucs were 2-0 going into that game. 
um, because nobody thought they were going to beat Minnesota on the road in week one. And uh, they got, you know, brought back to earth uh, by a, a, a very strong Eagles team at that time. I believe it was 25-3 going in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bucks never really uh, competed to win that game. Um, and the Eagles, of course, went on to that 10-1 and start. Um, a lot of people had them uh, in the Super Bowl. Everybody was looking forward to an Eagles 49ers NFC title game, uh, epic clash. And, uh, boy, things have changed mostly uh, on, the, on the Eagles' side. Uh, Tim, they, they've lost five out of six, while the Bucs uh, have now surged and won five out of six. Uh, why have the Eagles fallen apart, Tim? Well, during this five out of six stretch, uh, they've got four takeaways and, and they've turned the ball over 12 times, minus eight. That doesn't help you. For the season, Tim, for the season, they've given up 35 touchdown passes and, and they got nine interceptions. So from a season-long perspective, the, the defense has fallen apart, absolutely fallen apart. Eagle fans are beyond themselves. Now, you think you think Buck fans turned on Todd Bowles uh, in October and November? Uh, have you seen what's going on up in the city of brotherly love? And should Sirianni lose this game? And, and they're slight favorites, I think two, two and a half points. Um, Jeffrey Laurie, is, you know, he's going to demand at least some changes in the coaching staff, I would think, especially on the defensive side. Uh, they can't stop anybody, Tim. Second worst third down defense in the league, 46%. The big number. They're bad in the red zone. I don't know. I mean, a year ago, uh, the Eagles had a, uh, you know, ferocious pass rush, uh, eight deep on the defensive line, uh, you know, disrupting quarterbacks uh, when they weren't sacking them. Uh, they, they, they challenged the NFL sack record uh, late last season. They came up, I think, a little short. And this year, I, I don't know what's happened. Um, and now they're facing a Buck team, you know, I mean, they do have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They're both healthy. Um, I guess the question center on Baker Mayfield, uh, who, Tim, even in some wins down the stretch, hasn't played well, particularly maybe that Atlanta game, three and a half quarters, he didn't do much. But then when the game's on the line, he pulled out of that game. Tim, that's the game, the game in Atlanta uh, that sunk the Falcons. Uh, and, and, and propelled the Bucks to this late-season surge. Uh, without that, uh, you know, they would have been uh, four and eight. They would have been done. And uh, since that moment, uh, this team's got its second win, and they're a very lively underdog, Tim, uh, Monday night. Yeah, and, you know, when, when you look at what the Eagles have done, you can actually draw a lot of comparisons with the Jaguars, who for the first half of the season, those two teams both had, you know, really solid defenses. And then both of them lost five of their last six because their defenses have been big, big letdowns. Now in Jacksonville, the defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell, seven total members of the defensive staff have been let go by Doug Peterson, former Philadelphia guy. So I think you're right. Sirianni is, even if they win this game and let's say lose the following week, I think they're going to have to make some changes on that defensive coaching side because somebody has to fall, and I'm sure it's not going to be Sirianni himself, but, you know, uh, when you look at Baker Mayfield, you know, he was a guy who was left on the trash heap of quarterbacks, literally, uh, you know, he went to Carolina where he, he did nothing, you know, he, he 
played okay with the Rams some, but, you know, really kind of left, you know, for, for dead, so to speak. The Bucks thought they were going to take him for one year. He'd be a bridge quarterback, $4 million a year. And then all of a sudden, he starts throwing for 300 yards. They absolutely abused the Jaguars on Christmas Eve. And just, uh, you know, so talk about how he's come along. He started all 17 games. He replaced a legend in Tom Brady. And what do you think the Buccaneers will now do with him? Do they bring him back on a three-year deal or something? So just tell us all about your Baker Mayfield experience this year. Well, he has a chip on his shoulder. There's no question about it, Tim. And I think it helps drive him. It actually helps motivate him. Uh, He's felt he's been undervalued. Uh, unappreciated uh, for most of his NFL career. It might even go back to his college days, um, Tim. Uh, he's been durable. He, he's taken virtually every snap this season, which you can't say uh, about a lot of NFL teams' uh, quarterbacks. Uh, so he's got that going for him. Now, he's banged up. He's got sore ribs. I think it really affected him, um, you know, last week against Carolina. Uh, they, uh, they didn't score a touchdown three field goals. He was out of rhythm. He missed Mike Evans. Mike Evans was open by 10 yards. Tim would have had an easy touchdown uh, and Mayfield hung up the ball, couldn't drive it with authority. Um, so we got to wonder about him going into this Eagle game, uh, whether he, he is certainly not 100%. The question is, um, can he get the ball downfield? Then what do we know about Mayfield? Well, He's earned himself a lot of money this year. That's number one. Number two, he's won over his teammates. uh, And he's won over the head coach, Todd Bowles. So if Bowles comes back, and it's hard to imagine, Tim, at this point, that Bowles doesn't come back, uh, maybe if they get blown out by Philly, uh, the Glazers think about making a change. But the guy did win nine games uh, and another division title. Um, Maybe if a Belichick's out there, maybe that appeals to the Glazers. But barring that, you would think Bowles comes back, and if Bowles comes back, uh, I think Bowles will make a lot, uh, put a lot of pressure on Jason Light uh, to, uh, you know, you, you can't let Mayfield hit free agency, Tim, because all it takes is one team, and there sure are a lot of teams that are looking for a quarterback. I mean, look at Atlanta. Um, you know, if, if the top drafted quarterbacks are off the board by the time the Falcons pick at, uh, you know, nine or ten, uh, they, you know. They're looking at like, hey, maybe we should uh, be interested in Baker Mayfield. All it takes is one team. So, Tim, if he plays well uh, Monday night, uh, there's no question about his toughness. Um, I, I think it's going to be hard for the Bucks to move on without Mayfield. They don't pick till number 20. Uh, you don't know what quarterbacks are going to be available at that point, uh, and and that's in late April. So now you got to you know you got to deal with Mayfield uh, in free agency in March. Um, if Bowles stays, and I think he will stay, uh, it's hard for me to imagine uh, the Bucks letting Mayfield test free agency. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, everybody thought that the Bucks, if they didn't finish last, would finish second to last in that division with the Panthers. So, you know, the fact that what Bowles done, I, I think he probably will stick around. I agree with you. You know, you said one thing earlier where you said in that first game of the year, nobody picked the Bucks to beat Minnesota. I know one person that did. You did, actually. 
just before that game on this podcast. So I, I think you for- you are you are, uh, you are a wise man with a good memory. <laughs> yep, I, I definitely think you foresaw that one coming. But you know, one thing we talked about on that podcast before the season, and let's revisit it now. If there's one person that has surprised the heck out of me probably you too, is Rashad White. He finishes the season 10 yards shy of 1,000 rushing, 990, has 549 receiving yards. So we're talking about a guy that essentially did fifty over 1,500 yards. But were you surprised by everything he was able to accomplish this year? I wasn't surprised, Tim. I was stunned. <laughs> I was stunned. Um, now, let's start off by saying with all that, the Bucks still finished last in the league in rushing. They they did. Uh, part of that is uh, this is not a this is not a strong run blocking offensive line. It's just not. Uh, the holes really really aren't there. Um, you know, and and White, uh, you know, it's not like White averaged four point three yards a carry. He he did not. However, however, the guy is a fantastic target out of the backfield. Not not a good one. A fantastic target. He never drops the ball. He catches 90% of the balls that Mayfield throws him. Uh, And he's got a tremendous knack for making the first guy miss out in space. He's a huge weapon uh, for Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator, in in that regard. Uh, He's still got a ways to go in terms of, uh, you know, his instincts as a running back. Uh, But overall, I think the guy finished third or fourth among running backs in total yards from scrimmage. Uh, Who would have thought that about Rashad White? Um, he, he made tremendous strides over his rookie season. Uh, there's no reason to think he won't continue to grow. Uh, so Jason Light kept telling all these Buck media people, uh, have some faith in Rashad White. The, the kid's got a lot of talent. Um, Jason Light deserves to take a bow, uh, as does Rashad White. Um, people thought the Bucks must draft the running back. They must draft the running back going forward. Well, I'm not saying they won't in the third, fourth round, but uh, Rashad White has, has really uh, made a compelling case that, uh, you know, he's one of the better backs in this league. Yeah, definitely. I, I just, like I said, I, I'm as stunned as you were. Pleasantly surprised, I'm sure, for Bucks fans, but, you know, he, he's had a really great season. So, you know, let, let's look at this game. You know, we talked about the Eagles' struggles on defense. You know, they've just been hemorrhaging points. Uh, you know, let's talk now about Tampa Bay's defense against the Eagles offense, because Tampa Bay, they only had more than 30 points scored against them once this entire season. And, you know, they they only have allowed a 100 yard rushing performances on seven games out of the 17. So how do you think the, the defense will stack up against this Philly offense? The rushing defense has been stout, uh, you know, through 17 games. It's stout. Um, you're right. People don't run up and down the field uh, on the Bucks. Uh, now we can't we can't read too much into last week's shutout. It was their first shutout in 13 years, uh, but it came against the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers have no offense. In fact, that was their second straight shutout to end the season. They they just don't have any weapons. I mean, Adam Thielen is a real pros pro, uh, but he can't be your number one. He's a very good number two. Bryce Young, you know, rookie quarterback, took his lumps this year. Their offensive line isn't very good. Chubba Hubbard is, is you know, an average back. Uh, so let, we can't go overboard about the Bucks shutting out the Panthers. Uh, their pass defense, Tim, just like the Eagles' pass defense, 
has been porous, porous. Uh, and it's not like they don't put a lot of pressure on. They had 48 sacks. It's a good number. It's the same number. Every Bulls defense has 44 to 49 sacks every year. I don't know how he does it. Uh, they don't have uh, a JPP anymore. Uh, they don't have the old Shaq Barrett. He's a shell of himself. Remember, he had 19 and a half sacks his first year playing for Bowles in 2019. So they don't have that guy with double-digit sacks. Instead, they spread it out. And Bowles is masterful, uh, con- you know, confusing quarterbacks with coverage and, and blitzing schemes. The Bucks are a heavy blitzing defense. The Eagles are not. The Eagles try to get there with, with a four-man rush, and you know it hasn't worked that 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 wonderfully this year uh, for for Sirianni. Not 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 close to what it did last year. So the Buck defense, it's it's been okay, uh, maybe a little better than that. The standouts are Antoine Winfield, who uh, I just put on my All-Pro ballot. I just sent it into the Associated Press on Monday. He was the first safety. Somehow he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Uh, Tim, I mean, the guy had a historic season. He had a season like Rondé Barber used to turn in at corner. Uh, now Winfield's a safety, but he checks all the boxes, you know, the sacks, uh, the passes, the fence, the tackles, the forced fumbles. He's everywhere. His versatility is phenomenal. He made an unbelievable play uh, in the Carolina game. Biggest play of the game. He ran down DJ Chark at the one yard line as he's going in for a touchdown and with a jarring hit, he caused a fumble that went into the end zone for a touchback. It was the play of the game. It turned the whole game around. I mean, who knows what happens? Uh, you know, the Bucks were only winning 3 nothing at that point. Uh, that's the second time he's made a play like that. He did that against Desmond Ritter uh, in, in the first Atlanta game. Also, at the Buck one-yard line, uh, forced a touchback. So, he's been incredible. The rest of the secondary has not been good. Has not been good. And they got two high-priced corners. Uh, and Jamal Dean and, and Carlton Davis, they have not uh, excelled this year. Uh, they have not justified their contract. Um, and Levani David has had another, you know, the guy's ageless. He's unbelievable, 34 years old. Um, they brought him back for another year. I, I think they got to bring him back for another year. I mean, uh, he, he's, he's uh, you know, he's like Bobby Wagner. I mean, these guys are so smart, Levani David. So those are the standouts on defense. Uh, and they've got some contributions from two rookies. Yaya Diaby. Yeah, you heard that right, Tim. Yaya Diaby uh, led the team with sacks as an edge rusher. Uh, he's a physical specimen. And the first round pick, Kalijah Kansi, um, you know, he shows a lot of promise. Uh, very quick defensive tackle, quick off the ball, good for tackles for loss. So, you know, it's a fairly young unit. Um, and, uh, they really spread the sacks out. You know, they got about five or six guys that have at least three or four sacks where a lot of teams, Tim, they rely on one or two guys, the Bucks spread it out. Um, and, um, the key, I think Monday night defensively for the Bucks is to, uh, contain Jalen hurts as, as a scrambler. I think that's, uh, that's the key. Um, Tim, he ran for 15 touchdowns this season, Jalen Hurts. You could argue he's been more effective as a scrambler than he has uh, throwing the ball. Um, and last year, he was the runner-up MVP. Uh, this year, he's taken a step back. Uh, he's got good weapons. But, Tim, one thing we haven't mentioned that uh, I think is worth noting, the Bucks are relatively healthy. 
except for Mayfield's ribs. The Eagles come in. They're all wounded. We don't know about A.J. Brown. We don't know about Devonta Smith. Uh, even Hurts has, uh, uh, you know, uh, an injured finger on his throwing hand. Uh, so that's advantage, Bucks. Um, I'm hoping for a good game. I'm hoping for a quick game. By the way, Tim, uh, Sunday's game uh, in Charlotte took two hours and 35 minutes. Yeah, you heard that right, Tim. Two hours and 35 minutes. I mean, that's less than Rays games take. Rays games are in the sixth inning after 235. So I'm hoping for another 235. I can get out of there and get home at 2 in the morning and get back on the road at 8 in the morning. Yeah, you know, they the Panthers gifted the Jags a short game the week before when the when the Jags shut them out. So I, I I don't think it'll be this quick, but for your sake, hopefully they run the ball a lot and the clock runs. So at two and a half points, Ira, the Eagles are favored by two and a half in the most recent lines I've seen. Uh who do you like by how much and why? This is a tough one, Tim. Uh, I mean, on paper, uh, the Eagles are better. I mean, they showed it in week three. Uh you know, they're a better team. Um, they're stronger in the trenches. They got a good offensive line. I mean, they got one or two pro bowlers up front. Uh, the Bucks have Tristan Wirfs, who made the transition to left tackle. Had a good season. Not a great season. Uh, but he'll uh, grow into that new spot. He's too good an athlete. Uh, but I don't, I don't think he had a, an all-pro season, Wirfs. Uh, so I think the Eagles own the trenches. Um, but they're banged up. And they're in a tailspin. Uh, here come the Bucks. Uh, you know what, Tim? Ultimately, I got to think the Eagles are going straight now. I just do. Uh, I don't think they're going to win 25-11 uh, like they did in week three. You could argue the Bucks have played better on the road this year than they have at home. I don't know how much of a home field advantage they're going to have with, with the Philly faithful uh, in town flying in or people that used to live in Philadelphia. Uh I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with the visitors, Tim. Uh, uh, they, 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 they can't be this bad. They, they just can't. There's too much talent on that team. I think they'll suck it up. I think these injured guys will play for the most part. Um, and I think that I think that Hurts will uh, break free for a couple of runs on third down. That that will hurt the the Bucks. Uh, even though I think they're gonna put a spy on them. So I'm um, I'm gonna go uh, with the Eagles. Um, 23-21 uh, Philly. All righty. It's probably going to disappoint a lot of Buccaneers fans, but I'm with you. It, it's hard to not take last year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl runner-up Eagles who uh, just have a really good team, and, and they'll probably pull it together. But you never know. You know, football always does football things. Ira, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you can find all of Ira's work at JoeBucksFan.com. That's J-O-E-B-U-C-S-F-A-N. Dot com. So JoeBucksFan.com. Iron, where can people find you on social media? They can find me at iKaufman76, at iKaufman76. Tim, we'll talk down the road uh, after the Bucks uh, win the Super Bowl. We'll, we'll talk again. There you go, or maybe before their next playoff game. Ira, I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. And that will do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote Green Bay Packers great Ray Nitschke, that's what you work all season for, to get into the playoff games, and you don't want to blow it. No, you don't. The best way for you not to blow it is by joining me again next week. 